What's going on, everyone? And welcome to episode 127 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley. So, this week, we have a cool... I love this one. This one's fun. Uh, we got Matthew Hankins on the show, which um, you just won the contest build, so I want to pick your brain about what you're going to do with that statue and uh, and a couple other things here that we're going to talk about. So, welcome, Matthew. Oh, I forgot about the statue. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fellas. How's it going? Good, good. So, um... I didn't send the statue till yesterday. You should get it soon. Um, you probably get it this weekend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm already I'm already planning my modifications. It's gonna be fun. So you actually came up with the idea. So it's actually fitting that you're gonna get it first, um, just because you came up with the idea for the traveling trophy on our Zoom call last week. Uh, so if anyone's listening who isn't aware, Matthew won our last um, uh, contest build, which we're doing another one now on a business card size now. But Matt won it, and he said in a Zoom call, uh, you know, we should turn it into a traveling trophy, and each person can, mo- everyone that wins it can modify it a little bit, and then we'll just send it on to the next guy. Um, so this will get, I, I imagine this getting carried away uh, as each person gets to <laughs> add or remove or whatever they do to it. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple rules I threw in the box there with you. Um, they're simple, just like, you can't, you can't, destroy it so much that it ruins the integrity of the trophy. But you can like you can hack it apart or do whatever you want to as far as like, you know, putting a different arm on them or whatever, add a hat, who knows. Um <laughs> and and for everybody And it's got to be it, it's got to be PG rated. PG-13 rated. And for anybody who doesn't know who Matthew is cuz oh, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. you're not a patron. Um he's a great builder. We um, have, you know, we've known him here a, a while now. So, um, you know, he's been a, a um, and he's a in a follower. He's in, in, a, in our, he's in a really good modular group too. Um, right, and we got to see his modular work, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit when we were down at Timonium, and uh, we spent a lot of time talking to him. I think we all went out to dinner, and um, you know, this will be, uh, it'll be great to uh, talk yeah. to him a little bit about that. He's one of the key things that you do, Matt, that we like. Is it Matt or Matthew? What do you like, man? I I, gen- I generally go by Matt, but my online presence seems to be Matthew. Right. But, <laughs> we'll just say both. Well, I was going to call you Matt, so whatever. I just thought, I wanna, <laughs> we'll I do Matt. Call Matt. I hate being, I hate when people yep. call Matt. <laughs> you know, I didn't know, so you know. But, well, um, so let's actually dig into. Um, a little bit of your background with model railroading and then um i want to hear a little bit about so we got to see the club the modular club you belong in and it's a pretty i mean there's some really good modelers in that club so i want to kind of let's get your background a little bit and let's hear from you matthew on uh or matt sorry matt <laughs> on uh no no problem on yeah, kind of your yeah, style you and your yeah so well let's see so my my beginnings my father did model railroading um, when he was growing up, and so he had a uh, he had this monster of a uh, gory and defeated, uh, uh, you know, a, a a a model that was based on that a layout that was based on that one, and it was a big giant thing, weighed a ton, it was all paper mache, and he oh, cool. would drag it into the house at Christmas time every now and again, and it um, it I don't know if it ever. I don't know if anything ever ran on it. I'm not sure it ever had electricity running through it, but it was always kind of fun to, to mess with it. And, uh, so that was sort of the beginnings. And, you know, he and I did a bunch of stuff. We had, 
we had some N scale uh, layouts that we did for a little bit and some HO uh, module layouts that we did together and built models. And so that, that was kind of my background growing up. So it's always been sort of part of it. Um, you know, subscribed to model railroader for years and years and, you know, dug through the pages of that. Um, so I was, I was, uh, pretty well into it growing up. A little, got out of it a little bit in college with just too many other things going on sure. and then got back into it after that and then got out of it again when I had kids and they were young and running around and it just didn't work. And then got <laughs> back into it again a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. Right. And, um, and I joined this module club. Um, it's the uh, four county society of model engineers based, um, near here in Baltimore. It's, it's out in the, in the counties and, um, and the, the modules represent Hagerstown, August 3rd, 1955. It's wow. pretty specific. Um, but, you know, the, the group is, is super talented, just a whole bunch of really talented people. Um, and the modules are phenomenal. That's why I joined, because the, uh, the quality is really spectacular. And I wanted to be part of something that, you know, was, was serious and had some some really high end work in it. And, um, <clears throat> they were, um, they, they've been great. I've been there for, I don't know, six, seven years now. I've been part of it and finally got my modules after a lot of pressure from everybody in the club. Come on, Matt, get your pack together. <laughs> Let's get going. And I finally got them deployed in October right? Uh, for the first time. And you guys saw them there and then, uh, haven't been able to deploy them since cause everything's pretty much, shut down um right. sure but hopefully hopefully once things get going again i'll get them back out there and now, uh my modules um oh go ahead no i, I was with that when you were you said you were with them for six seven years so before you started doing your modules what did you do with what did you do during the, that time with the club um well i i picked away kind of fine-tuning my skills and i've been planning these modules pretty much from the outset right and the, the and and with this with this particular group because of the quality um everything has to go through a review process that's um uh, it's fairly rigorous i mean nobody's it's not crazy but uh, it has to meet a certain standard not only a a standard so that everything connects well and works well with each other, but also so it blends really well. Right. Uh, sure. You guys have seen it, uh, but for oh, those who gorgeous. haven't seen it, what, what, what works well with it is one, it's got that very specific time period of August 3rd, 1955. Mm-hmm. So everything's scenic wise and, and building wise uh, looks very similar to each other. So it almost looks, I mean, we have people who, who comment that it looks like it's all built by the same person. Right. And that's sort of what we're going for because you don't want, we don't want it to look like a whole bunch of tables hooked together. We want it to look like an actual layout, like you would see, you know, going into somebody's basement or, or someplace. Right. Um, and so that's, that's really important. And then also it has what, what makes, I think it look really great is um, the, the setup is very professional. So we have a, a black fascia and skirt below, and we have a 18 inch standard blue sky board in the back. And then mm-hmm. each module or each four feet of module has a, a, a black gooseneck light over it. And so when it 
lights up and when it sets up, I mean, the whole thing glows and all you see, you know, we're in the cow palace over there in, in Pannonium and it's a big giant space crowded, lots of stuff going on. But all you see when you look at these modules is the, is that little 18 inch worth of space between the top of the skyboard and the, and the, and the top of the fascia. And it just, it just pops. So it's a really great layout. It is. You know, as far as modules are concerned. Oh, we love it. It was it was so cool um, to see it. There were other modules that are set up there, okay? And in other mm-hmm. shows, I see module uh, group, modular groups that came in and set up uh, at other shows. And you're right. Everything blends from one section to the next section to the next section. And it's it's constant. And I, I could walk around that thing all day. What he said was kind of what Matt said was perfect. It it. it it's hard to yeah. tell who built what, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not like I've been to. I've seen some modulars where it's like a scene from Christmas with Santa Claus <laughs> on one, and then the next scene's a circus, and then and then the next scene is the summertime in in the mountains. They're a little bit more of a freestyle. And, and none yeah. of it works. Yeah, yeah, and and, like, and and those are those are fun. I mean, we 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 talk to all the different modules. There's a bunch of different module groups that are there regularly, so we all yeah. see each other a lot. And those are all a lot of fun. It's just that's not really what we're going for. What right. we're going for is we're going for that craftsman uh, layout, high-end layout that, that you see in the pages of Model Railroader and, and that right. kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. That's what we're trying to achieve. And, and so, you, have... you know, I, I, think we, I think we nail it. I really do. I, you oh, know, yeah. we've, we've, went to, we've been to Springfield the last few years as a group. I haven't been able to get up there, but the group has gone up and set up. And we've won a couple of awards up there for nice. for the for the quality of the modules that we have. So yeah, it's um, if anybody gets a chance either at Springfield or at Timonium, or we set up for a Christmas show in uh, down here in Maryland as well, and you get a chance to see it, I think it's it's well worth the. the Where's visit. the Christmas show at? Uh, we have for the past few years set up at the Town Mall in Westminster, which is uh, in Carroll County, Maryland, which is a uh, northwest of Baltimore City. Okay, and um, I know where that's we get a, a storefront. Yeah, we get a storefront. Yeah, it's not that far from from just south of Gettysburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna go, yeah, we're going yeah. next year, man. If yeah, if we're they set this, up, we'll we'll, this, we'll visit this you guys. holiday. We're doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, and, it's, it's neat. It's uh, we get a storefront, big storefront, and we can set up there and we get the thing that's nice about that is you get a crowd you at the train shows we get a train crowd right right you know, people who come and they're trained people and in the in the mall at christmas time we get kids a lot of kids and families who are there the, the husband <laughs> who's there for the shopping trip and he spends about two hours walking around the layout no no you guys go shop i'll be over here <laughs> <laughs> i'll be in the layout right yeah so you know it's 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 fun you know to get a, a different crowd of people to see what we do and i mean again it's it's different you know it, baltimore is is known for its train gardens and at christmas mm-hmm. time everybody everybody and their brother has a train garden going all the all the volunteer fire departments have them and everybody's got one <laughs> and ours is a little different because you know again santa claus isn't really part of it it's not right. a, it's not a christmas train garden but people love it they just they they really enjoy seeing because they they recognize the quality, even if they're not right. Right. model trained people, now, they can really recognize it. So. Um, I do want to just before we switch, I w- I want to commend uh, you guys because um, as a group for that modular group, because even when we were there, 
uh, and it is a higher, I would say it's a higher end, uh, like craftsman style. Like you said, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a more polished, seamless look for your whole layout. I mean, for your whole modular mm-hmm. club, but you have people of all ages. You have some younger builders, right? Or younger members. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the way up yeah. to the seasoned veterans of, of, uh, of the of the model railroading world that are in it, so it's very. Even though it is a lot of craftsman stuff, when we were there, there was a lot of younger people um, helping and being involved with that as well. So it was cool to see that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's. I mean, that's important. You, you guys have talked a lot about the health yeah. of the hobby, and and having young people involved is sure. is critical. And when and when you're and when your hobby and your layout involves picking up and moving it. Yeah, they get to be the... <laughs> having as many young bats is, is really, that's really key. That's, that's nice to have. All that's your pack guys. mules. You're able to pick things up. Yeah, you don't, want, you don't want a bunch of people who could barely get up and down <laughs> off the floor uh, trying to move all these things around ah, and, and hook them all together. But, there's some strategy yeah, no, in that. You gotta, absolutely. you got to cultivate those, those young people and and get them out there, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, good. it's good. It's a, it's a great, it's a really great group with a, with a lot of, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people that help each other and, 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 you know, everybody's got their strengths. We've got scenic people and, and, you know, modeling people and people who can do DCC and electronics and all that stuff. Right. And everybody, you know, I've had, I've had a couple of people here in my basement crawling around underneath my, my layout helping me wire things up and nice. things so it's it's good it's now good. so now most everybody's in the baltimore area is that what it is uh we have people um from southern maryland all the way up into pennsylvania who are kind of regular mm-hmm. members who come to shows and do things and then we have some some more remote uh members who have moved you know were members when they lived down here and then for various reasons had to move away but have kept up their memberships Uh, So it's, it's, uh, but for the most part, everybody's sort of in this Maryland region uh, because again, it's a, you know, it's a little hard to be part of a a group that, you know, moves around and puts, puts model module uh, railroad up and, and, and be too far afield. But so now you mentioned, um, we're going to, we're going to switch a little bit up here. You mentioned that you have them come over and help with your layout too. So you have your modular stuff. And you also have mm-hmm. uh, your own home layout, correct? No, I just no? at the moment I just oh. have uh, I just have the two modules. Yeah, I okay. would love to. Uh, I live in a row house in Baltimore uh. City, and it's a li- and it's a little it's a little too cramped at the moment. But to, the modulars fit the perfect. Then. Yeah, I set them up here, so they're all set up here at the house, and so I can you know I can run trains back and forth on them. I, yeah. you know that's about all I can do is run back and forth. But I sand them up and I and I can work on them here and 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 nice. mess with them. And I, you know, I'm building other stuff with the idea that eventually, someday, I hope to have something a little more uh, extravagant. Yeah, but um, yeah. You, you know, know but, I, but you, it's a little you've it's done a some, little cramped in a Baltimore row house. I know? understand. And you've done some. Um, you you still do some uh, dioramas and stuff like that. You just did the diorama for the contest and. Uh, um, you, yeah, I have I have little dioramas all over the all over the house. That's just as fun, spots, you know. You know? Just, just, you know, just different things that I've built through through the through the years, and um, so hopefully someday, you know, and I and I'm you know that's sort of the plan is you know build little pieces of it, yeah. and then eventually if I get to a point where I can put them all in something, then they'll be ready to roll. So totally, oh cool. That's sort of what I'm working on. 
but I do have so the the two modules uh, represent uh, the Pool and Hunt Foundry in Baltimore City, which is uh, it's a neighborhood not that far from here called Woodbury, which is a um, a mill town uh, right on the Jones Falls, which is a little stream, if you will, that runs down to the Baltimore Harbor. And uh, the the Pool and Hunt Foundry was a one of the largest foundries in the country when it was uh, built right uh, right before the Civil War. Um, and it, um, among other things, they cast the, um, the columns for the Capitol dome in that foundry, the nice. United States oh, Capitol wow. dome. So it was a big, it had a very large capacity. It could deal with a lot of stuff. And it was right on the North central railroad, um, that paralleled the Jones falls. And so my modules are, are representing that I've, I've taken some modeling Liberty and I've moved some stuff around in order to make it work. But that's what I was planning all those years that I didn't have a module, but I was part of the club. I was <laughs> I was noodling, noodling out my plans and things and presenting them to unofficially to the module review board. And they would come back and say, well, you may want to think about some stuff over here and that thing over there. Maybe that's not going to work so much. <laughs> and uh, finally got it all together and got it built and got it operational enough uh, to put it out in October. So. Nice. That was a that was a that was a pretty big moment. So to, to after all those years. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what the the modules that we saw of what you did um, that when we saw down Timonium when was that like November? So that was uh, October. The last yeah, week of October. October. October yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was like Halloween weekend ish. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that you mean was that was your first like debut of that module, right? That was it. Yeah, that was the nice. first time it had ever been deployed. Nice. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, and everything everything ran. I was my. You guys, I can I can build a building and you know paint up uh, figures and throw scenery. You put electricity in a track, and I'm I'm lost. <laughs> and, uh, and so thankfully, I had a lot of lot of help from some other people, and and. Uh, got it all operational and it ran it ran flawlessly nobody derailed and nobody nobody came up to me and said well it looks great but man it's <laughs> horrible to run through so that was great that was i was very pleased uh, that weekend went really well and everything uh everything <laughs> operated well on it and it was well received and hopefully uh at the moment they just they just uh, i just saw an announcement uh, that uh they're still planning on having the October show this year, so hopefully that uh, we'll see how things go. But hopefully we can get it back out there. Well, and, we're planning to be there again. again so. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of want to dig into the modeling part of your module um, that you think. Didn't you incorporate a mirror in that tunnel? There's not a mirror. I thought about it. I, I, oh. I couldn't figure out how to get enough of an angle gotcha. to avoid everybody seeing their belly button as they walk past. Yeah, the, uh, and you already have. Yeah, it. we we were talking about that. That day right, down right. There. And yeah. there, and there's already yeah. it's already you're right. It's already at an angle where you're looking almost straight at that tunnel. So it would be kind of yeah, funky. Yeah, space space was a little little rough, and I I just couldn't turn the. I really wanted to be able to turn that street enough to put a. Uh, put a mirror in there but the way it is it would have faced right at the front of the layout and it wouldn't yeah, work yeah, yeah. so what i have is i have a i have a historic photo of uh, a baltimore city street with a streetcar on it and it's tucked back in there and it it sort of works i mean if you're not really staring at it it, it your eyes kind of pass over it, and it, it hey, works all right it passes the uh it passes like the six foot rule so it works it you yeah, know yeah 
So I, I like yeah. the way everything's angled on there, and that's one of the things I was going to talk about. When you're when you do your modeling, you always put your things at, at these. It's good spacing. Really unique, yeah. It's good spacing. A nice placement of everything, and it always seems to be an angle. It's much like Jason Jensen does, where he turns a lot of his buildings at different angles, <laughs> and then you're getting different lines of view. You know. And I see yeah, that a lot in your work. And it's, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, uh, I can gain space. If you think about a rectangle, whether it's a, you know, a two foot by four foot module or a four by eight sheet of plywood or a, or a business card, um, the longest point on that rectangle is, is the distance between the corners. Right. And so I can gain space for my models by, by rotating them within that rectangle and putting them on an angle. So now I can put a longer model or a longer wall or, or something in there. And so that, that's one part of it. And the other part of it is obviously aesthetics. Yeah. You know, you, it, it, it just, it just looks better. You know, the world is not built on a grid. No. It, it's, it, it winds and twists and does all kinds of stuff. And so if you can, um, put things on an angle, uh, it starts to look a little bit more realistic and a little more interesting. Right. Right. And the, uh, I mean, with, you even had the modules. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to well, go in. With the modules, I, I, I was, was, I was able to, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in this complex and the, in the original pull and hunt complex, uh, is the, the North central main line goes across the front of it. And then there's a siding that goes through the center of the complex. And what I ended up doing after uh, multiple iterations is I made the, the main line go through the center of the complex where the, where the siding was. And if I ran it straight through uh, with, the, with the way that the modules are set up, I end up with only a, you know, a few inches in front of the track. And so I can't really use that space. So by pulling the track into the center of the module, I got more space in front so I could have buildings on either side of the of the main line and then by putting them on an angle i could also include a little bit more of each building because of that longer axis and what i ended up doing was bisecting the buildings themselves so the buildings are triangular shaped in plan because i've basically rotated them on the table and then cut through the center of them so that on the front edge, you can actually see inside of the buildings and see the shops and, and the machine shops and the erection shop for the foundry. And in the back, the big foundry building actually disappears into the backdrop. It sort of dies off into the backdrop. And so what that ends up doing is it, it makes it feel like somebody's taken a cookie cutter and just sliced a little section out of the world and dropped it into a layout. And it sort of fools the the viewer into thinking that there's more around it and it feels a little more real it doesn't feel like somebody dropped some buildings on a table it feels like you know somebody has has shown a little slice of the world and there's more beyond it your eye almost recreates the rest of it and shows you the rest of it and so it adds i think a lot of interest and um and oh yeah I think a, a better a better view of the model uh, to to put those things on an angle like that. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, um, I never really thought much about the diagonal edge to edge, how much you could get in there. Right. Putting things at the angle. I mean, we do some, we do a lot of angle stuff as well, but um, I never really looked at it in that context. So that's well, a, that's well a great I mean, idea. when you're doing that, when you're doing that, for instance, when you got something like that business card that mm-hmm. the, the current uh, modeling contest is based on, right. that's a really small space. Oh, and yeah. when you think about setting a building on it, if you set a building on it square to the edges of the business card, you know, you, you basically got a little bit on the front and a little bit on the back and You're buying not some real much stuff. else. Right. But if you spin it ever so slightly, you can make the building a little bit bigger. And then the spaces around it, some of them get a little bit smaller, but some of them get a little bit bigger. And so now you've got some real estate to play with. And so what I did on that, is I was able to fit that track on there, that little piece of it. And the same thing, the track is bisected like the buildings on my module. So your brain sort of recreates the rest of the track and says, okay, we've just taken a very small slice of a bigger thing. And now it feels more like uh, uh, something that's a piece of a bigger thing instead of a a display, if you will, that it might feel like if it just had a, a building sitting on a square. Now, um, with your speaking of which, on your, and well, it's probably going to be a question, but I'm going to—that's the only problem with us. To, you know what, Brent? Yeah. Let's let's go to questions now before I start asking questions <laughs> and taking other people's <laughs> questions away. Okay. I don't okay. want to do that. No, that's fine. So let's go to the questions now. Yeah. We'll hit them up with that, and then we'll go back to what we're talking about because I want to talk about structure building. Okay. Uh, with them as well. So, um, and I also want to talk to him about. What he's done, what what I've seen so far on that. Well, what he saw with his business card uh, model, it was just really cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's go. Let's go to the questions, and then we'll uh, let him answer some of them, and and then we'll come back. Yeah. I don't. So, I, I hate. I always feel guilty that I'm taking somebody else's. Questions. No, no, I get it. That's fine. So the first one goes right in line with what you're just talking about. It's from Dave Kruzwick. He says you have an eye for composition. Right up there with Jason and George. So that's a heck of a compliment. But your business yeah, card your business card diorama is an excellent example of this. this that's what Dave was saying. Uh, do you have any tips mm-hmm. for scene setters, like um, you know, working in such a small area and extending the the scene, like you just said, other than what you already went over? Yeah, I mean the angle thing is 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 a big one. The other thing I would say is is um, changing the grade. Uh, oh, yeah. the other thing I did on that is I, I put a, a hill, you know, the track is up a little bit, obviously track is usually up, you know, on a roadbed like that, mm-hmm. but by changing the grade, my, my modules also have a lot of that. You talked about a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a street that's down below the track and then there's, um, you know, some hillsides that go up above it and, and, uh, there's a little bit of a mill race at one end that goes down below so that negative and positive scenery adds a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, same thing, you know, building you know, the, the world is not uh, built on a tabletop. It's it, everything's got some kind of, uh, of uh, elevation to it. And so including that in models is important as well. And it adds a lot of interest. So just by putting an ever so slight hillside on there, uh, you can sort of see it kind of leads the eye and pulls you into the up up the hill into the into the scene, and um, 
So, you know, a lot of models, you know, that we get, the model kits that we get are not designed to necessarily go on hillsides. Some are, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I would suggest is is every now and then try to, if you have a, a model kit that maybe has multiple additions, whether you can move things up and down. I, I, one of the things, I, I, I have a terrible time building a, a model kit straight out of the box. I always got to mess with it somehow. I got to futz around with it and change it around. Oh, yeah. And one easy way to do it is to change the elevation. So if you have an, el- uh, an addition uh, to a building and you can drop it down a little bit or raise it up a little bit um, and change the elevation of the ground around it, it's going to add a lot of interest and, and, and um, drama to the, to the model that wasn't there if it's just on a flat tabletop. Sure. So those kind of things, you know, kind of playing with things and and adding uh, some some wrinkles to it uh, can all help. Totally, you know, make a scene a little more interesting. Now, um, and I'm going to hit on this topic just for one extra minute. When you start with a, um, when you start with something, so we're going to use your business card one as an example. How do you begin to? Uh, lay it out. So how do you, how do you eye it up first before you start uh, actually adding things to your, whatever scene you're working on? So, so, I mean, a lot of it is sort of following my nose on it, but for, for something like that, basically what I did is I I had a, I grabbed another little building that I had and it was, it was just a little, little piece that I had kicking around and I kind of set it on the business card and rotated it around and I grabbed a piece of track and I set it down and kind of rotated it around. And, and that sort of led me to the, I, I, had, I knew what I wanted to do was sort of that little side building. I think I said at one point that I was inspired by the, there's some photos on actually on, on Dave Kruiswick's, uh, uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, Dave's workshop. He's got a, he's got a really great album of, um, of small buildings on the Franklin and South Manchester. And that was sort of the inspiration to just build a little, uh, you know, whether it's a train shed or a office, you know, right on the side of the track. So that's what I was headed for. So I grabbed a little building, I grabbed a piece of track, grabbed a business card, and I kind of sort of rotated things around and spun them around. And then I cut out a piece of uh, foam that's the same size as the business card. And I knew I wanted that the track needed to be on road, roadbed. So I started by, by shading away and getting the, uh, the track elevated on the roads, but roadbed. And again, I'd already decided it was just, just going to be the very edge of the track hmm. in order to get as much building on there as possible. Yeah. And then, and then I started thinking, you know, it'd be nice if the hill kind of dropped away a little bit, ever so slightly away from the, the track, just to add again, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to flat, you know, a scene. I wanted something with some kind of elevation change. Yeah, on a it. slight grade. So I shaved. So I shaved that down a little bit, and then it was just a question of, okay, well, this is as big of a building as I can get on there, and so I started cutting out walls, and you know, and and then build a little foundation so it was buried down inside of that hillside, and then it's just kind of playing with it, you know, adding some stuff and and. Uh, you know, I got to the scenery part of it, and I started adding stuff, and I and I kind of decided I didn't want to go my normal uh, August third, nineteen fifty five colors, 
So I switched <laughs> it up a little bit and, and went a little different season on it. And I really liked the way the colors worked. Um, that's another piece is colors. is really important when you're doing, when you're doing this kind of stuff, making sure I do a lot of stuff with earth tones, uh, trying to stay away from too bright of a color. Again, I think uh, Doug talked about it and other people, uh, Dave Ferrari and I talked about it. There's a scale to color in these, in, in a layout. And if you're too bright, if, if the colors are too bright, it, it just looks like a toy. It look, it doesn't look right. So you need to tone yeah, really, the colors down. You, it also detracts exactly. from your look at your, of your, let's say you have a really nice built structure and you take a bright green, unnatural looking bush and sit next to it. It doesn't have that. It has some of the stuff is great on certain models depending on the season. And I'm not trying to butt in mm-hmm. here, but um, no, no, yeah. you're right. But let's say you have a whole mess of stuff from you know whatever Scenic Express and Woodland Scenics and whatever, and we uh, we all have a mix of all that stuff. You know, we got all the different brands, and some are brighter, some are lighter, and you you know, and you use them for different things. And uh, if you if you have you there's just if you put a bright green bush on that's like spring green in color mm-hmm. and it's not the right scene and you have it in a summer scene it may not work with the same greens that you have in your summer scene and then yeah. that bright green will detract not just from the scenery because that'll be sick out like a sore thumb it will detract the look of your building okay that's yep. or your yep. structure it's in it yeah i mean it doesn't just yeah, apply that, to the scenery that neon, that neon spring green gets me every now and then. I see it and I think, oh, I can do it. I can make it work. And then I do it and it's, oh, I got to tone that down. Look at that thing. I've made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah, do it a couple oh, times and then you do it a couple times and you then you remember every time you see that bag and you're like, eh, yep. I'm not brave, uh, I'm not brave enough to put that on. Yep. Yeah. Right, you're not going to get me this time, neon green. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Uh, this next one's just fun. Yeah. It's from Dan Banks. Uh, do you feel that an awesome beard makes for better modeling? <laughs> I think it's a plus one. Absolutely. absolutely. At least. Lynn, Lynn, Lynn has his beat on it all the way. Too. He's got the best one of the bunch. But, yeah, you, you know, every now and then you find a little piece of strip wood duck tucked in there that you've forgotten about. Yeah. And it's uh, a figure, you know, a figure or two. Right. right. You know, it's just. You stuck it away for later, and oh yeah, I forgot about it. Uh, useful. Yeah. Uh, I just chopped mine off actually, so now I look like I'm 12 again. So, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, you had a ways. To, you had a ways to go. I did. To, yeah. To I. The... I'm not patient enough with with the beard. Um, next one is also from Dan Banks. This is a serious one, though. Any tools that you're using that you aren't your standard model railroad tools. So we've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Like uh, anything odd that you use that you just find helpful. Um, shoot. I mean, I have. <laughs> so my day job as a carpenter. Oh yeah, yeah. I have, I have thousands of tools. Uh, it's 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 pretty remarkable. I, I collect antique tools. I have I have pretty much every power tool. I got a lot of stuff, and I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I just grab because I'm used to it, and it's not necessarily something that your normal modeler might have access to. Uh, you know, I have full-size band saws and table saws and, and all that kind of stuff, so I can do 
I can do a lot of stuff with that kind of thing. But yeah. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's too crazy out of the normal um, okay. that I might. Uh, I mean, I you know, I, I like to make my own detail parts and things. Um, so, you know, like, I mean, I'm just sitting here at my bench looking at a hole punch. I mean, I use a hole punch to make little circles and, and make, you know, for instance, the stovepipe on the top okay. of my business card build as a piece of piece of coffee stir straw and a, and a, uh, and a hole punch, yeah. paper hole punch, you know? So, I mean, I'm always kind of messing with stuff and coming up with, you know, my own way of doing things. But yeah, I have, when it comes to tools, I got plenty of them. <laughs> and again, there are probably a bunch here that, that, that people don't, uh, you know, don't have access to, right. uh, I have hand planes. So I, you know, I'll use a block plane for instance, mm-hmm. is really useful for, um, for little pieces of strip wood and stuff. You can, you can run the strip wood over the block plane instead of a piece of sandpaper and shape it and do different things with it. Nice. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of tools. So there's a lot of different uses. There's an advantage of being a carpenter and doing uh, craftsman kits, I guess. Yeah, well, there's a lot of advantages. Yeah. So my background is historic preservation and and historic restoration. So oh, okay. I have I have been studying old buildings oh. for many, 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 many years. And that's and so when why. Comes, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, just when it comes to buildings, you know, scratch built buildings and 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 you know, I, I know how they go together because right. I build full size ones. Yeah. And I know how all these things work. I know how, you know, windows work and doors work. And so all those kind of things is I, I have this advantage knowing, uh, the back having the background in the, in the one-to-one world, uh, that so, in the miniature world, so doing, I can, I can sort of use the same stuff. Right. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so doing preservation, this isn't modeling, uh, necessarily, but have you done much work like, um, just in the region that we live in, it's, I'm curious now because my dad and I, obviously, as you know, listening. Um, are, I'll tell you one right now before bit, you go any further. Go for it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say. I, I was just go back to it. I was just going to say, do you do much with like, um, you know, the 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 Civil War preservation, the building, the because our area is just rich with Civil War history. Do you do much preservation with those era of buildings? Oh yeah, I mean, um, you know, a lot of our, our of our work is, um, you know, we do some early 20th century, a lot of early 20th century stuff, but okay. we get into, you know, into 19th century stuff. Uh, I've done work um, on some buildings out near Antietam, okay, um, and um, you know, Frederick, and uh, we, we're we're all over the place. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, the oldest buildings that i've worked on are actually 17th century Dang. um i was actually a care, was actually the caretaker of a 17th century house for a little bit and so wow. you know so so i've gone from 17th century to 20th century and and everything in between and Very cool. i was a, i grew up as a civil war buff as well so those those buildings are a lot of fun to get into but yeah we do we do a lot of different things um you know, I, and a lot of our work is in Baltimore City and Washington D.C. So, okay. So those yeah, buildings on, don't tend to be as as old. But, right. Yeah. In March, in March, Brett, I was down in D.C. and I was in the build. The first building we went to on that Friday when I was down there for the weekend with your mom was the D.A.R. building. 
And I was in there, and I think Matt is the one that messaged me and said he was just working in there that morning. <laughs> that yeah, same was there, day that, he was in was there, there working. That morning, yep. That's too and funny. Like, yeah, we were... Shit, he's in the same building <laughs> that we were in working. And he sent me this message. I took a picture from in there, and I posted it. And then he said, yeah, I was just in that building. <laughs> I was like this morning working. That's too and funny. Like, oh. And now, yep. I, now I put two and two together. He was doing that kind of. Uh, I thought you were just doing general contracting. I didn't know you did historic preservation That's stuff. That's too cool. And that that yep. building is a yep. monster uh, for what yeah. it is. And um, wow, that's so cool. That is. That is <laughs> yeah, we've and I don't, done, not, done a lot of done a lot of work on that building. We've worked. The company I work for has done all kinds of different great things. We did uh, repairs to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. We've worked on the, the house there at Arlington, the Arlington House. Um, Very again, cool. that's a, there's a Civil War. There's a Civil War house yep. for you. We did you both the houses, the house and the, the slave quarters in the back. We've done a sure. bunch of work on those. Uh, we worked up at Hampton Mansion here north of Baltimore City. Um, worked on the Walters Art Gallery. It has a couple of historic buildings. We've worked for them. Yeah, we've been all over the place. So yeah, it's um, it's a lot of it's it's a lot of fun to 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 do that kind of work to be behind the velvet rope a little bit and get to get into that stuff and touch those kind of things and be part oh, of it. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm sure that one does, that one room in the dar in the dar building. I if I call it dar dar, your my wife gets upset because she's a yeah no you dar you, member. You won't be invited back. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So. Um, yeah, so we went in that building. It's the first time I was ever in there, and uh, we saw that library, which was insa- insane. But mm-hmm. there was that one room, and you had to love that room being what you do. Um, it's all wood inside, built from a, uh, I guess, from a ship from that was, that uh, it, it was sunk, I guess, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they restored it using the wood from that ship. The walls, the woodwork, the oh my gosh, everything, the chairs and the tables, everything was made from that ship in wow. that room. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's huh. gorgeous! Yeah, it's, it's like a dark mahogany color, dark wood. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's like it's a, it's an incredible space. I mean, just huge, it's just yeah. a huge building, and all kinds of. They've got a bunch of period rooms that they've they've put together in there from different different eras, and uh, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, well, I thought that was going to be bored out of my mind. Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah. we're going to the DAR building, uh, Daughters of the American Revolution, and here we go again, <laughs> right? And and so we go in. It's my first time in there, and I'm like, this is going to suck. You know, it's going to be so boring. And I love history, but I didn't think, you know. And uh, well, I had a good time. I mean, it was actually her going, okay, it's time to go. We're going to go see some other stuff. And, but, um, yeah, you I should just join. You should just join the uh, DAR now, Dad. Uh, so, well. <laughs> There you go. I don't know if they have men members. I don't, I don't know. know. You so, could be a daughter. Well, you, hey. you, 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 you know people, so you can No sense in having any obligations. Right. <laughs> take the perk with it. <laughs> uh, hey, I can wear a dress. I don't care for a week, for, you know, just to go visit. You know? <laughs> We're going into a dark place with my dad yeah, here. Yeah, that's, that's not good there. Uh, anyways, <laughs> next question. So that's really cool. I'm, I'm, it's neat that you get to do some, like, kind of you know, like you said, behind the scenes, I'm sure you get to see some really cool stuff that is a little bit, you know, off the beaten path with those historic sites. So that's, that always piques my interest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that I'm a little jealous that you get to, to do that. That's pretty cool. Um, next question though, this one's from Dan Pugach. 
how do you how can you go over how you make your rock castings for noobs who haven't ever done that before? So I know you do some really good rock work. So he wants you to kind of cover your technique for rocks. Well, I mean, so so the rock like uh, natural rock castings, which in the uh, the contest build, uh, I had a big rock yeah. coming out the back of the building. Uh, that's just um, I think that's a mold from Woodlands. Phoenix, I believe, um, and it's just uh, hydrocal plaster, um, you know, poured in a mold, and um, and then I take it out and I like to bust them up and crack them up and use them so that they don't all look like the same because I only have a couple of them, so then they don't look like the same uh, the same rock, you know, all over the layout. So and then I, um, you know, I I I color them. Uh, generally with um, acrylics and washes and dry brushes and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I will uh, hit them with primer to seal them first, like a gray primer and seal them up first and then go after them again uh, with, um, you know, your umbers and your grays and and that kind of stuff to to give it a bunch of different model, different colors, and then dry brush it with a white or an off-white to Mm -hmm. highlight it. So it's pretty typical um now for my my stone walls um i've got a i do a lot of masonry scratch building is is one of my things um part of it has to do with modeling the specific prototypes that i'm trying to model um and part of it is i just i like the look of masonry and um there's not a lot of options out there kit wise craftsman kit wise for masonry and kit bashing a masonry kit is is iffy at best there's Mm -hmm. not a lot you can do with it so what i did is a few years back i um i started building my own field stone wall Uh, i started cutting individual stones out of sculpey um, and laying it up just like you would a normal uh, stone wall as a mason one stone at a time and, and built my own wall and it's about something about three inches by seven inches when it was done it took forever i stopped and started a bunch of times because i was going bananas and i had to put it away um and so once i had that built i built i was able to make a mold of it and now i can cast these stone walls as many as i want and then i can modify them and build my buildings out of them so a lot of the buildings on my module are built using these uh this stone wall casting but then I'll modify it, uh, cut openings in it, um, change the dimension of the stone so I can have belt courses and pilasters and different things, and I'll build it as module. So each little wall section uh, will be built in such a way that I can then join it to another one just like it, and I can build you know big long buildings uh, out of my own castings. Yeah, and so. It's, uh, it, it allows me some flexibility to build. One of the things, again, for me, I do a lot of scratch building, and that has a little bit to do with the fact that I want to build something that nobody else has. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. If you look at my modules, you might see a couple things that you recognize as as commercial pieces, but not much. Most of it, you're not going to know what it is because it's original work. Right. And um, 
and that's it. I, it whether I don't know what it is. It's just I like. You prefer idea to do that it that way. I that's have, great. Yeah, and I like the idea that what I have, nobody else has, and right. people people don't recognize it. I mean, I, it, it's fine. You know, people walk up and say, "Oh yeah, hey, I have that kid on my on my layout at home," but right. I would prefer they don't. They don't do that with my with my modules, <laughs> and so. Um, but it's also a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy that process. So now I've got these, I've got all these, you know, dozens of molds that I've made uh, of different things and I can cast, you know, different parts and make my own uh, unique buildings out of them. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not simple. It's not easy. It takes a bunch of time building that. The big part was building that original stone wall and that was a monster to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I have it, um, I, uh, the possibilities are endless. I can build you know, all kinds of different stuff out of it oh, and sure. um, cast, cast it in plaster, cast it in resin, whatever I want to do, and, and carve it up and do, do all kinds of neat stuff with it. So um, that, uh, Then the other mold that I have, the one that's in the bottom of that contest build with the arches, uh, with the road running through this, the bottom of it, that one is built in a pretty. That, that that's uh, what George Celios did with his walls. He, um, you, you basically you and I did a little bit of a tutorial on uh, on my Facebook page. I don't know how great it was, but I did it. Um, and it's um, you, you you cast strips of plaster, um, little sticks of, of plaster that are about. Uh, uh, three sixteenths of an inch thick and about uh, a quarter to three eighths of an inch wide. And then you snap them off. And when you snap them, the faceted base you create with that snap, uh, you can use as a building block. And then you can build your own cut stone walls. Uh, and the same thing, you build them and then you make a mold of them. And then you can cast an endless supply of them. So I have molds like that as well that I use to uh, to build that cut stone type of stone wall as well and i can again i can modify them i can cut windows in them and doors in them and do whatever i want with them because uh, they're mine and and i can make uh i can make all kinds of very unique structures masonry wise uh with all these different casting uh opportunities that i and have is that is that what you did on your module i mean that module on your um your contest uh winning model that you built did you, did you use that same technique I did. I so okay. I, those are those are just castings that I already had or molds that I already had. So I just I just made yeah. four casts or three castings because the other one dies into the rock. Right. And I and I made those three castings. You know, I cast them in resin. I use um, some uh, smooth on products to, yeah. uh, to 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 cast them in resin. Uh, just because the resin's a little with with me, my my stuff travels. So I generally cast things in resin versus in plaster because. Sure. It, it weathers a little better, and if somebody drops it, it's not going to be as big of a disaster. <laughs> um, and so, I uh, I cast them in resin, you know, and they were already ready to go. Um, it worked out uh, size wise to uh, to use them just as they were, and sure. uh, they have um, alternating kind of toothed ends on them, so they fit together, you know, and and you can you know either put them together as a corner or put them together as a straight run. And they sort of all, you know, mesh together, sort of, they mesh together well enough for me. They may not, it's not something I would ever want to 
pass off to somebody else because they would complain about how how well they go together. But I can make them work, you yeah. know, and a right. little file here and there, and they go together. Right. But yeah, but yeah it's, so it's, then, it's your mold, so you know, you know, that's that's yeah, what you work. Yeah, yeah, I didn't pay. For, I didn't pay for right. it, so I mean, yeah. exactly. it's, it's, it works. For, it works for me. Right. But yeah, and it's and it's pretty. I mean, I I think it's a fairly straightforward thing to do, um, and you know, I I I think they're really great to have as a as something in your toolbox. You know, when you're building retaining walls and stuff. I mean, you can buy them. You know, you can buy Chooch or whatever. You know, there's a bunch of different companies out there that make uh, and sell these things. But you know, why not have them? so that you can make your own right? Uh, and you can do all kinds of different things with them and they, you know, they you, can be unique. So, and you can cut whatever size you want, whatever height you want. You don't have to go off of the, if you buy from those companies, you're buying their design and then mm-hmm. you have to modify it. And you, you know, you might not get the same look out of it that you could, if you're, you know, designing it, obviously uh, your own way. So, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I so I, yeah, I like the arch. I mean, I built the arch, and mm-hmm. uh, that that gives me the opportunity. And I could, you know, that one's a little short. It works for cars, but it wouldn't work, you know, automobiles. But it wouldn't work right. for, you know, a railroad tunnel. But I, heck, I can, I know how to do it. I can build a railroad tunnel too. Right. Right. Um, so I mean, I, I again, there's there's a lot of value to to kind of the education that comes from from doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know it. It, again, not not everybody wants to spend the time on it, and I get it. You know, if you if you just want to, you just need a retaining wall, and you want to go buy a retaining wall and put it in. Absolutely, you know, it, it works great. People have been doing it forever. Right. Um, but for me, I like that opportunity to know that I built it, and it's it looks unique to me, and um, and I can do it again. I can make a whole bunch more, and it's I don't have to go out and order a bunch of different you know more castings or anything i've already got them right so um and you know i think it it it's just another skill like i think you tap you tapped that earlier it's another skill that um you know us as modelers you know it's valuable to learn it so you know you're able to customize some stuff you can you've even done you've done your own molds which i'm jealous of by the way, <laughs> and uh, you talked about that. Uh, yeah, you talked about that I with us at Timonium. The, the molding is, yeah, molding is. You know, I mean, uh, I, I highly recommend giving it a whirl. Uh, there are tons of videos out there, especially in the in the cosplay community, because a lot of people are building props and costume parts and different stuff. And those videos, you know, obviously you may not be casting a sword or something, right? But, but the but the techniques are the same and the, the principles the same materials are the same yep right and so i mean there's tons of opportunity to learn how to do it all kinds of people are doing it with all kinds of different skill sets and you know i mean again there's, there's we could go all get all into ethics and all these kind of things but i mean i i can cast little pieces if i have something you know that i have some older kits here that i can't buy anymore yeah out of production um, you know and and if i want to kit bash something and I need an extra wall, I can make a mold of it and cast that extra wall. And now I can kit bash, you know, from an old 
Magnuson or, or something kit that doesn't, you know, that uh, otherwise I'm spending tons of money on eBay. Buying old you know, kits, yeah. Buying, buying an old, and, and a vintage kit so I can get an and extra And I'll tell you what, those Magnuson walls are probably good to cast because they are so, like, there's a lot of detail, deep detail in those kits. Well, that's, that's what, 50% of the, yeah. of the Franklin and South Manchester. Is, I know, you know I have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we were down there at when we were down there at Timonium, my wife snuck away and bought me because I've been talking about it. The Victoria's Falls Hotel, and mm-hmm. uh, she bought some, from one of the guys down there and uh, gave it to me at Christmas. I didn't know she had brought. I didn't know how she snuck it home. I guess she stuck it in her in her bag, her clothing bag, and um, but it was uh, and I and I because I've been talking about building. When we went down there and talked to George, I guess, and uh, up there and talked to George in in uh, June of last year, we I met, I asked him, you know, what he used for some of those walls and what he's. I said, did you buy all those Magnuson kits? Because he said Victoria Falls Hotel, and he he said uh, no. He said I cast them from one out of plaster over and over and mm-hmm. over again. He said mm-hmm. that, that some of those buildings weigh a ton. But uh, <laughs> and then I guess he put yeah. it on cardboard. So right, yeah, I wouldn't cast them out of plaster. Right, I mean I have. Right, I right. Cast them out of out of resin. But yeah, I mean you know again, and you're not selling them. You're not you're not taking them yeah. and making new kits and selling them. No. You're just doing it for your own right. For your own models. Totally fine. And yeah, and so I mean again, you know, it's I I think that the casting I do you know I I carve. There's a really great tutorial in one of of, uh, of Dave Frary's books on making your own stumps. So I carved my own little clay stumps and made a mold uh-huh. of those. And so now I got a lifetime supply of, of little stumps that I can put out, you know, casting little detail parts. Um, you know, you can do all those. There's just I, I just think that that's that's something that's a fairly straightforward thing that you can pick up off of, you know, some YouTubes and things. And, um, and, and it's a great thing to have again in your, in your toolbox as a skill set. Um, because, because, you know, it, it, I think once you have it, you're going to find all kinds of uses for, for casting different things and making your own, uh, making your own parts and making your own molds. Uh, again, especially if you're interested in, in modeling masonry structures, Uh, there's some, there are some really great, you know, people out there making kits and stuff, but, um, there's a limitation. It's, it's a lot harder to scratch build a masonry building than it is a wood building because, you know, it's just the the way that it all goes together, the oak, how the openings are, are, are built. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just a lot harder. And so by, by doing, by doing it this way, you know, um, it opens up a whole new, opportunity for making uh some scratch built you know building so yeah again i i i highly recommend it I, i'm i'm you know if anybody has questions or wants me you know some some spots to to watch some videos or stuff happy to point them out yeah but, um well i'm going to talk to you about that at some point i did a while back i think it was um we talked about i i mentioned doing the the uh Victoria Falls Hotel and casting it in the past. I think you directed me to a couple videos online. 
um, mm-hmm. in the past to to look them up. I, I'm, I'm sure I've lost them since. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I have not been brave enough to try and cast the wall. I'm always afraid I'm going to ruin the actual original kit in the process of doing it. But but I don't think that's really possible. I guess if you well, you start with you know you start with an old DPM wall or something and make a mold yeah. of that or whatever you know. Um, you know, yeah. start start with something that you don't mind getting silicone glued to or some such right. thing. But <laughs> you know, I mean, again, it's it's fairly straightforward. Right. And uh, right. again, there's some there's some good tutorials out there, and um, you know, you just kind of fall into it and see what you yeah. get. And yeah. um, you know, we got we definitely got to try it, Brett. Yeah. No, I'm down with that. That uh, sounds good. All right. Uh, let's move on to our last two questions quickly, and then we'll jump into what my dad has for his question real quick. Uh, this yeah. one is from Jake Johnson. Do you have any Star Wars models lurking in your closet? And <laughs> also... Sh- I, I might. <laughs> and then uh, the other one is just share one of your what? favorite painting techniques. I don't know. He's got a lot of Star Wars models. Jake and him... Jake was asking him about his Star Wars models. Yeah. Do you want no, to tell no, my dad? No. You, you kind of cut out. You cut out there for a second. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I no, I got you. Yeah, I have. Um, I have a couple Bandai Star Wars kits kicking around, waiting for uh, for a day where I decide that's going to be something I want to tackle. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, big. I grew up in that Star Wars. There's. I've, I've got. You know, I got them all. I got the lightsabers. I got the. Got the action figures. I got the. Spaceships. I got them all. Nice. So, um, painting techniques. Let's see. I mean, I, I don't. I don't really do anything too dramatically different than anybody else. You know, I. Um, you know, I, I paint my brick walls the same way that Doug did in his video. Pretty much. I sometimes I'll seal the seal the wall with plaster before I start throwing color at it. But otherwise, it's pretty much the same technique. I use a lot of the same techniques that you guys do and Jason does and other people do with painting, you know, painting uh, wood. I'll, I'll rough it up with a wire brush and hit it with India ink and alcohol and then, you know, either dry brush it or dry sponge it and, and all those kind of things. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm willing to try some different things, but, you know, I don't, I'm not too crazy about it. Um, so I don't know if I have anything. I guess one thing maybe I do that other people don't do. I know Todd is a big palette guy. Um, and I have, I have one or two here that I'll mix color. I don't mix custom colors very often, very rarely. Right. And usually that's because I'll end up fouling something up and then I got to remix <laughs> the stupid color and it's never quite right. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it doesn't work for it. So I usually use uh, colors right out of the bottle. And mm-hmm. as far as paints go, I I probably only have about 25 maybe colors okay. that I work off of. I, I don't go too crazy with uh, the, the numbers of paints. But I use my hand as the palette a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what you call it. The meat of your hand right there below your thumb, between your thumb and your index finger. You yeah, yeah spot on your hand yeah. and what i'll do is and so what i'll do is i'll get a big old blob of paint and drop it right there on that part of my hand and what it allows me to do is i use the uh, optivizer when i'm painting a lot mm-hmm. um, me too. and and so i'll pull that optivizer down and if my paint is off on the workbench and i got my optivizer down and i'm 
I'm fumbling around with the optivisor down, trying to find where my paint is to dip my brush back in it. And I'm knocking stuff over and, you know, <laughs> breaking things. And it's just a mess. So what I'll do is I'll just grab a blob of paint and I'll drop it on the, on the melee hand. And then I can see it through the optivisor and I can keep going back to it. And I can, I can pick up some paint and then dab it on another part of my hand to, to get off the, you know, to get it so I can do dry brushing and stuff. And it makes a mess. I'm, a, I, I'm, you know, I got paint on, but you have an itch I, on your I, face, I, and you gotta. I have never heard that before, ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Van Gogh. I don't clean my brushes in my mouth or anything. But I do, I do use my hand, and it, and I just, you know, because you're holding, so you're holding the piece in in the same hand. The brush is in your other hand, and you've got your palette is right there, accessible through the optivizer. I just find it a a useful technique. Nice. So we'll see. Sure. Maybe maybe I'm just a weirdo, but that's how I. You just got to be careful that's, to that's not my little painting technique. Don't itch your face when you got that paint hand. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. I would right, forget that it was on my hand. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it'll be in my hair or something. I don't know. I'd run my hand through my hair. <laughs> yeah. so I knew it would happen. Right. Oh. Walk it in the next room and grab the doorknob, and now it's <laughs> all over the doorknob. Yeah, uh, no, it, it, it could be a, it could be a problem, but no, it's it. I just think it's a a useful thing, uh, especially for those of us who are in the optimizer, because I just find optimizer. You know, I'm flipping it up and down, and, mm-hmm. and trying to look past it to see where something is, and uh, just makes me nuts. So, yep, you know, cool. That's why I hold the palette. I have one of those palettes you can put your thumb in. And uh, okay. it's a, not a giant one. I have some. I have a giant one. I'm sorry, I bought it because the damn thing's too big, and you have it around your workbench, and you're banging it into everything. So I don't use that. Um, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with that. But I do have a, a medium size one. Well, but you know, I, I, saved, it's uncomfortable I saved two dollars. Hand. I saved two dollars and didn't buy the palette and use my hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll send you some. So, there, but, we um, there we go. Uh, uh, yeah. We got one last question, and we're gonna jump into the other stuff. So this one's from Scott Horgan. What w- and I'm interested in this too. What was your hardest build that you've done? That if you could build, like your most challenging build you've done. I don't know. They all have their, their yeah. spots, you know. Um, I can't think of one off the. T- I mean, probably one that I that is probably sitting in a corner underneath or something at the moment because <laughs> i threw it across the room or something you know um i you know they all have their things they all have their pieces that are that are challenging right um you know and and some of this like for instance doing these things on the modules you know angles are great but oof, they can yeah, was, make things rough i was wondering trying that. to get trying to do all the math the large you know the large buildings you have the industrial buildings you have where you have the walls cut at odd angles and the roof the roofs are all cut at weird angles and roof lines mm-hmm. that had to present some major major challenges for you yeah and i mock them up you know i mock a lot of stuff up out of foam core or cardboard that big the biggest building the foundry building on the modules i built you know most of it out of at a foam core and I even used some of the foam core mock-up in the final build just so that structurally I could, um, yeah. And it, it, well, so that, the, that building actually lifts off. It bridges the, so that the modules are two four foot modules put together to okay. form eight feet. And that, mo- that 
building bridges the gap. It sits over top of the gap and helps hide it. Gotcha. Uh, so it travels separately from the two modules. And so the foam core was nice because it's, it's very lightweight. So now I can pick it up and, and move it around and I'm not picking up, you know, 40 pounds of plaster and, <laughs> and stuff. Um, but it's, um, but, but I used the, the foam core largely because I could see how complicated it was going to be. And by building it, you know, once I was happy with the foam core, I could take pieces off and, and replace them with other things, or I could build right to it. And that let me kind of keep it to the shape that I had originally intended. You know, there's a danger that I build a mock-up and then I start measuring it and go to my bench and start building it again. And all of a sudden something slightly changes and then it's not coming together. Right. So I, mock-ups help a lot. I don't always do them, you know, with some of the smaller builds, I'm not doing a, a, a mock-up. But the mock-ups help with funny things like funny roof angles and uh, roof structures, especially are, are challenging. And, uh, and then the, the angles and, and the cutaways um, mm-hmm. are, are tricky. So again, making those things as, as mock-ups helps eliminate some of those challenges. Yeah. Um, it helps you, helps you, know. you stop, uh, prevent yourself from wasting materials uh, for your large builds. And Yeah. I, I use a lot of cardboard, a lot of foam pour. I'm a big fan of cereal boxes. I have a big giant stockpile of cereal boxes that I cut up for things <laughs> and I can build, you know, we've talked about the, um, I think you guys talked about the, the, my eventual future build of this mom railroad station in Baltimore city. That's a really great stone building. That's going to involve again, a lot of castings and, and that kind right. of stuff. And I've mocked that up two or three times at a foam core and cardboard. And I've driven, driv, uh, drawn it full size a couple of times. Cause it's, it's, you know, I showed you a picture of the front of it, but the back of it drops down off the hill, like three stories. And then there's this big, multi-level staircase that drops down into the valley to the to the train platform it's really complicated kind of structure with the geography and everything and so i've i've been messing with it for a couple years now just again mock-ups and drawings and all those kind of things just to try to make as many mistakes as i can with those things before i'm you know super gluing uh you know strip wood to my forehead because i can't quite get it all to work right so Nice. Well, that was our last um, patron question, so um, I'll let my dad. Lo- I'll let my dad loose now. Well, the, the uh, what tonight before the show, right before the show started, you sent me a photo mm-hmm. um, of a building that you're working on, and it has it to me. You said it was stucco, and it does. And I'm zooming in on it right now. I guess I can see it, but the the way you painted the stucco. And the color tones and everything that you that you use, which by the way I, I really like, and I'm going to ask you about that. It looks like concrete. It doesn't mm-hmm. look as it does look like stucco to a degree as well. Um, how did you achieve that look? Because I really love it. I mean, these are reminiscent of a of like that buildings that were put together in the 60s and 70s. You know, in the in the mm-hmm. bigger cities. And they have that concrete, and it starts to get that brownish, grayish brownish color. And um, you know, we see a lot of aged concrete here in Harrisburg downtown. I've seen it 
in other cities as well, even Washington, D.C., when I was mentioned, it was down there in March, by the way, which is built in a grid. It's the only city I know that's built like a grid. But, yeah, um, oh, Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah, oh, and Manhattan, yeah there's, yes. a, yeah, there's a couple of them out there, but not, yeah. not most. And even, no. even those have, yeah, Washington, D.C. has an annoying n- number of circles and, and so, angled yes. streets that run through it. Yes, we stayed but, yeah. on one of those circles when we were down there. <laughs> and, uh, and they have uh, angled streets, yes. But um, mm-hmm. anyhow, so what did you do to get that? So the, the what I'm what I'm building is a is a uh, service station, a, a gas station, mm-hmm. and it's based off of a prototype in West Baltimore. That's um, it's it's basically at the end of a block of row houses. So uh, attached to this, there'll be a couple of row houses to represent that block of row houses. Right. And um, and they all kind of are in plane with each other and they match. They're all built at the same time. And, and, and what, you know, the, the, what, what you have is the corner, the first story corner of this building is cut away. So the service station, uh, to, to go to the service station, we'd actually drive underneath that second story of the building to go inside of it. Right. And it's, it's the, the original is a brick building that's got stucco on it. And so my goal was to, to emulate the stucco. And what I used was the um, some product that uh, a couple people have used. I know Jason Jensen has used it. It's uh, Rust-Oleum texture paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yes. It's antique antique can that I had kicking around that I used. And it, it spit and did some stuff, but it worked. Um, and um, so I sprayed the, the – again, this whole model is built out of cereal box cardboard. There's It's all – scratch built with cereal box cardboard and, and titchy windows and some strip wood. Oh, wow. and I, um, and I sprayed the, uh, the, the cardboard with this, uh, texture spray. And then once that dried, I went after it with a sponge, uh, with some, uh, buff colored craft paint mm-hmm. and then went after it a little bit more with some, uh, white craft paint just to model it together. Okay. Um, and then after that, I am a huge fan of the Bragdon weathering powders. Mm-hmm. I use them all the time. Everything that I put on a layout has been hit with these Bragdon powders. Mm-hmm. It's sort of my secret weapon. Right. And so I hit it, hit this building with, um, I, I'm not sure what all the colors are. There's a sort of a light brown tan color that I, I used on that. And then also some of the grays. Uh, to hit you know different spots as well and it gives that kind of masonry again stucco and concrete are not that far apart from each other ultimately it's all a masonry right. product sure um, and so it it um, so there's that kind of um, buff slash gray color that concrete yeah you know almost you know kind of a green gray mm-hmm. tan color concrete's hard I, I struggle is. with it Every single time I do it, <laughs> I love like it. Every time, I love the first it. time, yeah, yeah. It's like every time's the first time, and and mm-hmm. but I find that the Bragdon powders kind of save my butt on a lot of it, you know, because they've got the they've got the right color palette, and it just sort of works, right? And um, you know, if you put enough if you put enough splotchiness on it, it sort of it sort of does what it's supposed to do, you know, <laughs> it it. it, it if you if you try to paint it all one color, it never seems to work. But as soon right. as you put a bunch of different colors at it, 
um, it it looks right, and so that's sure. that's what that's what's going on. So um, I love it. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's cool. a nice fine texture. I, I, stucco sometimes when you model stucco with the different you know systems that people use, it can be a slightly out of scale because stucco ultimately is. I mean, one of the things you learn in in historic preservation and restoration is that you know if everybody was going for perfection, they just didn't have the technology <laughs> to make it to perfection, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if they had perfectly flat glass, they would have put perfectly flat glass in their building. Right. So you'd, nobody nobody wanted to have crazy, funhouse, <laughs> wavy glass in their windows, <laughs> right? And now people restore their houses and they want crazy funhouse window glass. It's like, no, they did, that's not how they did it. They didn't want that. You know, <laughs> right. And same thing with stucco. This stucco is designed to look you know like a it's designed to look like a stone right um you know a poor man's stone and so it's it's got texture to it but it's not huge peaks and valleys and so i think scale wise this texture paint seems to be doing what it needs to do um but it's a little hard to read from a distance you know yeah but i kind of like it i kind of like how it looks so i think it'll read better I think it'll read better when I put the, you know, the regular brick buildings against it. I think it'll start reading a little bit, yeah. you know, right. a little better like what I want it to be. But I think it's going to look no, great. I, 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 I think it's angle. turned out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. yeah again, another one of your angles. Yeah, it's a neat building. There's some, there's some, um, you know, it's, I've seen it a few times. It's a kind of a, a very urban way of doing a gas station because you're utilizing the urban space a little nice, you know, a little better. You can, you know, use your air rights, you know, and have, mm-hmm. have the apartments over top of the gas station. Sure. Uh, so I think it's kind of a fun, a fun little building. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how it turns out. I, and I, I'm loving you, house. you guys have. You guys have seen it, and nobody else has. So I guess I got some, got to get some photos out there. So people. Well, if you don't mind, we uh, if you don't mind, uh, we uh, share it on our in our notes on our absolutely. show notes. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll put uh, it in yeah, the show absolutely. notes. Because uh, that's 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 really cool. And now I'm going to start asking my wife to start saving cereal boxes. <laughs> so, because um, <laughs> I haven't been saving. Yeah, them. no, that's a great. That is a great material for all kinds of stuff, both mock-ups and finish. I mm-hmm. all of my roofs our cereal boxes, you know, all the roof, the roof material is all cereal right. boxes. If you flip them, yeah. flip them over and stare really hard, you'll see the Cheerios down through the, coming yeah, I'm through the paint, be, you know. Right. And I'm going to be running out of uh, chipboard. I went out and bought chipboard from uh, Blick Art Supply and uh, still have some left. And when that's out, I'm going to start just using it. <clears throat> I, I was silly. That was one, you know, a couple years back I did that. And now I got all this chipboard, but um, I'm going to start using the, uh, uh, once that's out, I'll start using the, the box material. Why not? It's the same thing, you know? Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of, of sound materials. Yeah. I use a ton of different, uh, was, my saying was using things that aren't things to make things that are now different things. Right. I just, I like, I like using something to make uh, a piece, um, so I don't have to go buy something. I have, like everybody, we all have a modeling budget. And if I can extend sure. my modeling budget by using something else, you know, there was a discussion we had the other day online about using, I use sequins to make all my gooseneck, gooseneck lamps. Oh, yeah. So the gooseneck yeah. lamps on top of all my billboards. They're just sequins in floral wire. Oh, you know, that's a good you, idea. You just uh, 
drill, drill a little bit bigger hole in a sequin and put a piece of floor wire in there. And it's a circus trick involving about six different hands to hold it in the right position to glue it. But once right. you get it glued on there, <laughs> you, you can, you can paint the end of the, the little tip end of the floor wire that pokes through. You paint that to be the light bulb and you paint yeah. the shade and you, and you paint that floor wire and you can bend the floor wire in to be the conduit to hold the whole thing. And again, you know, you can buy a, a, a roll of floor wire for a handful of bucks at, at Michael's sure. and buy I got a roll hanging here on my, and, in my board. Right. Yep. And now, and now you've got a lifetime supply of gooseneck lamps and right. you spent $4. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and, and they're not perfect. They're not, they're not as good as, I mean, there's some fantastic castings and, and things you can get to model a gooseneck lamp. But for me, I'm not really interested in people really looking at my gooseneck lamps. I want them to kind of see it, see it as sort of the part of the whole. So again, I, I, I like doing that. I like finding things, uh, to make, to make my own pieces, um, so that I can, spend money on something else and not on, you know, not on the thing that I know I can make myself. Right. That makes complete sense. I mean, yeah. So now when you, the other question I had for you was, um, on your business card thing that we were talking about. Um, I, I, one of the cool things on there that we didn't really talk about tonight was the rail that you have going on it. It's a single rail. <laughs> it goes off the edge. Yep. It was so inventive. I was Dave Cruzwick mentioned it to me, and he's like, "Don't you love what he did with the rail?" I said, "Yeah, that great. How it just kind of went right off the disappears. Edge. It wasn't real long. It wasn't real long. You said you build it up a little bit, so it had uh, you know, it looked like a roadbed. But it's uh-huh. only one single rail. The rest of it's not. It was ingenious." Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Jason mentioned it tonight when we were on the telephone about that. I told him I'm going to have you on as a guest and he's going, Oh, I love what he did with his business card. That thing was off the charts, you know? And he, he was talking about how you, uh, we, what you did with the rail too. And, uh, so, so where did that minds that, that must, you just pop that in there. I mean, that's the creativeness that we love to see. Every modeler has it in some degree, uh, you know that we, that we are, you know, we all know, and uh, Frank Vargo is another one of those guys that all just off the wall, something, boom, right there it is. And um, mm-hmm. so, where did that idea come from? Well, it's the same as the buildings that are cut through on my modules and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only I can only model a certain amount of square footage. I have a limitation. Right. You know, for the for the for the club, it's two foot by four foot. For for the for the business guard, it was whatever it is. Two, two and a half by three or two by three and a half or whatever it is, you know, so you have this limitation, but there's no reason, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have the limitation no. and there's no reason why everything has to stop cleanly at the edge of that limitation. Right. Things, uh-huh. can, things move beyond, you know, you model roads and they go past and you model sure. mountains and they go past. Everything goes beyond the tabletop. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason why, other details. I mean, if you wanted to, you could put a tree and cut it exactly yeah. in half. If you're really good, right. You could cut a right. tree right in half. So there's no reason why you have to, to, to stop at the edge cleanly. And I, there was no way I was going to get the full track on there and the, <laughs> and the model so would have cool. lost. Right. That wasn't going to fit. And the model would have lost something without the track. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have had the right location. You would have right. said, Oh, well, there's a little shed standing in the middle of a field. 
Well, now right. it's a, 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 a shed standing at the edge of a rail line. It's so, a track side. You know, yeah. you, 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 when I was doing my, I told you about, you know, laying it out first and I set the little building that I had, you know, on the business card and I set the track on it. The track never went all the way onto the business card. I always knew that I was only going to be able to model part of the track. Right. Now, if I could rotate it a little bit, I might've been able to get both rails, you know, a part of both rails on it. But by, by just including the one rail on there, it, it's all it needs. It it's all it right. needed. You know, it, was that? You know, the other rail is there. You know, one of yeah. my one of my model railroading friends joked with me on Facebook. He said he wanted to see the uh, he wanted to see the unicycle uh, rail car that was going to go <laughs> past on the on the one rail. But everybody knows the other rail is there. Sure, it's just not modeled. You know, right. it's just yeah. not modeled. It's your, you had to. You're you're envisioning a full rail, a full you know set of tracks there. So it's um. So what it what's really neat is it not only just gives you the visual of the building, like you mentioned, without the track it would be it would be less. But it's not that. It's it's one extra piece to look at. So yeah, you look at the building, which was well done, you know, and you're like, that's great, you know, it's a great building. And now I'm looking at this other thing, the track with the weeds and and it it, it it's one extra piece on that little. I guess the amazing part is. Is that it's all on a business card size, you know, which is insane that we're doing it this way. Um, I'm going to be putting something together as well, but um, it's yeah, the, the the track going off the edge like that was, you know, it was just one of those things that you know everybody loved, and uh, so because it hasn't been seen, and it hasn't been seen probably because. Nobody else was building on business cards, you know? Or yeah, right. business- <laughs> it, was, it was insane enough to build something so stupid <laughs> small. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, the, one of the questions we do every – well, when we have a guest on a lot, when we have some time, is uh, we talk about the music that we've been all listening to. Uh, and our, Do you listen to music when you're working? I do. I tend to pretty much stick to uh, – kind of classic rocks and, and nice. oldies type things. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my, you know, I got a, I got a station that I just kind of flip on and I can uh, okay. sing along with it and, uh, and that kind of stuff. Oh, I pretend cool. that when Rod Stewart is singing, he's in there visiting and checking out the layout, you know, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Give, <laughs> uh, giving you, cool. but yeah, it's, what's that? No, I was going to say Rod Stewart's in there complimenting everyone on their work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's um yeah that's that's my go to uh and then you know I'll I'll throw on a, a a podcast or uh you know flip over to the classical station or put a ball game on when there are such things or that kind of stuff but most of the time it's that classic rock stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, uh, and Brett, what were you what have you oh what what have you listened to this week, Mark? Brett. Mark Brett. Um, I know my brother's name is Mark, and I have red hair, and I I keep I always do that. I've been doing it all his life. Sorry, right, I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to uh, some Foo Fighters this week. Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters. Yeah, I'll put a bunch of their albums on. I, I heard okay. them. Well, I haven't heard them in a while. Yeah, I got into them. I was listening to them while I was working the other day. And I was like, yeah, I miss listening to these, like, the older Foo Fighters songs. So I threw some of them on. Yeah. But uh, okay, what about you? And uh, I was uh, tonight was uh, some uh, last couple nights was Metallica, 
And uh, I was uh, the old, so from the Garage Incorporated album. Yeah. And uh, so I was listening to like, your mom didn't like it, but uh, so what? And uh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Bread Fan and a couple of those other nice. ones. I, I like those. So that, that's what I was into. Anyways, so that's it on that. But yeah. Brett, do you have anything else? No, I just. Um... That's really it. I what do you got? What do you have up next? We'll wrap up with um, what do you have up next on your your plans to build, Matt? Yeah. Well, I, I like you guys have seen the uh, the service station. The service station is not going to fit on my module. There's no place to put that, so it's not. It's sort of scheduled for a shelf mm-hmm. until a later date. But I got to get cracking on some of the stuff to finish these modules up. The the fix me guys, the the four counties guys are are uh, anxious to see a completed uh, module out uh, for the next deployment. So I got to, I got to get cracking on doing some stuff. You all saw, I got, I did get the blacksmith shop kind of the walls together. So I got a, um, I got a smokestack to make for that. And then I've got a couple more buildings to finish up for the, for that and some scenery and that kind of stuff. Uh, So that's all kind of on the agenda for the next few months to try to get, but I keep, getting distracted by these other these other little builds that i the decided that i want to try <laughs> well the contests don't help but they, that one didn't take very long but nah. um <clears throat> but yeah everything seems to kind of pull me away from from focusing on what i should be focusing on so <laughs> um okay i know my next build is actually going to be fun i'm going to I'm I'm waiting for my basement in the winter takes forever or colder months takes forever for drywall to dry like the the spackling to dry um drywall mud so I'm finishing up the scenery around uh slowly because it takes 2 days to dry the damn stuff <laughs> even with the dehumidifier running uh the scenery around the terminal so for my uh business card build I'm going to actually do a, a chicken fattening pen and then put a bunch of chickens around it. Uh, so I'm gonna make a little farm scene on a two by two and a half inch by three inch uh, uh, little area. But I'm gonna put a bunch of chickens and stuff on it. So that'll be fun. That's my next little mini project. Cool, cool. Yeah, that'll be neat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My dad's got a million things going on with his big build. I'm still so. doing this. Big, <laughs> he's yeah, he's I'm stuck. still on the Red Rock, Rush Rock Falls. Uh, kit and then uh, tonight while you were um while you guys were talking well we were all talking i was painting uh the the paper that you use for making your uh uh rolled roofing paper yeah so i painted the whole sheet in that all drab all green that i'm using on the roof which has turned out nice by the way um, I, I, it was something I was a little scared to put the green on the roof, but I, I'm loving it now. And, um, mm-hmm. but while we we're painting is I, I came to this revelation. It's not the first time either with the, the, all, any of the companies that make the olive green paint. And this is going to be weird, but it smells like split pea soup <laughs> and it has the same color. <laughs> so so I was painting, and I'm thinking, well, well, I think, I think, uh, um, you guys were talking there while I was painting. And I was like, it's, it always smells like split pea soup. I got to mention this tonight. And, and, and I don't know what it is. Every time, it's not just tonight, other nights I've opened those bottles up, uh, you know, um, olive green, avocado, 
any of those, um, you know, old Ivy, all of those ones that, from the different manufacturers, they all had that. It's only the green, and it smells like split pea soup. And I'm wondering if they use some kind of organic uh, peas or something for their coloring. I don't know. <laughs> you know, because it has the same color tone. And um, I, I, it's it just one of those weird moments, you know. Mm. Uh, so something to think about. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it. We're gonna find out about yeah. it. You're gonna you're gonna get a knock on the door from the plaid representative because you've just <laughs> you've just revealed their their to the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, uh, it, it's it's the only paint that has that odor. All the rest of them just have a you know a non they don't have an odor generally. So anyhow, that's just one of those weird things. That's it. That's all I got. Nice. But. Well, I think we've covered a. Uh a ton here and uh it's like an hour and a half in so it's late i want to get i know you you worked you probably work tomorrow matt so we don't want to hold you up too late yep yep you got i know you were getting up at three in the morning or whatever the other day for that zoom call i felt terrible we had you up super late three 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 forty five wake up call all right well we'll let you get going yeah (laughs) all right man well (laughs) thanks for joining us on the show matt and um we look forward to seeing everything you're going to crank out here again all your madness and your builds. Absolutely. So you thanks, guys, thanks for having me. Awesome. You bet, man. Thanks, Matt. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Yep.